Blog Talk Radio. about this album 
they uh, before they went into the studio to record it, they had actually had all the songs plotted out, and um, they were able to kind of go in with a plan of what they were doing as opposed to just showing up to the studio and jamming and seeing what came out of it. That said, this felt like a tighter album than some of their previous efforts. I would tell you that, you know, almost every album with the, especially since um, Jam Room, I've uh, I've said this is their best album yet, with the exception of Strange Cousins from the West, which I thought was a fine. It was the WrestleMania clutch albums. It was okay, but it was nothing special. Oh, <laughs> WrestleMania! I stitch it all together. Um, but no, this really this this feels like a culmination of all their recent albums. Um, now we just did the the retrospective of Clutch two weeks ago. Having heard a lot of Clutch in a very condensed period of time, what was your overall impression of Earth Rocker vis-a-vis um, this being sort of a uh, the zenith of all their most recent efforts? Let's say so. that was definitely a good summation. It was quite, I'd say it's, a, it's fair to be a zenith, uh, kind of like the culmination of their past work. Because, yes, I did listen to almost at least half of Clutch's, Clutch's work in, like, Two days because I'm badly, badly, badly a procrastinator. <clears throat> but this album, in my opinion, really kind of put everything in a nice ball, and it was fun to consume. Like you had some, you had some nice, nice little stonery bits. You had some stuff that would have uh, that would have worked well on the Caius album, Red Fang album, something like that. But you also had a few things that actually surprised me. Like, we managed to get, like, a really boozy, just cold, like, booze song. A boozy booze song. It was awesome. I mean, I dug it. It was one of my favorites. It had so much emotion to it, and I didn't really see it coming. And I think that's really neat because, you know, I guess Clutch, you come from the party, stay for the substance. <laughs> yes, this this song is full of both steak and – this album, rather. It's full of both steak and sizzle. And I think – that if I had to sum up Clutch in one sentence with a lot of cliche in, in it, that would be how I would put it. It's, it's both steak and sizzle. There's a lot of substance to their music. Uh, Neil Fallon was actually asked recently on Loudwire uh, regarding his lyrics, you know, that they're very imaginative, but does he ever come up with stuff that's just totally out there even for him? And he says, yeah, he definitely has to self-edit. <laughs> but what's great about this album, and we're going to get right into it uh, in just a moment, is that while a lot of Clutch albums, especially like say Robot Hive Exodus, w- was kind of out there, it was an it was an awesome kind of out there. You know, we talked about on the retrospective that it played a lot with gospel. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say there's a lot like that in this album. This album yeah. is definitely more accessible. It's more accessible. I think it's a little bit more mainstream. I would say this is probably the most mainstream sounding album since Pure Rock Fury. You could probably throw from Beale Street to Oblivion in there too, but I would tell you that I think if you were, you know, if you're getting, gathering up a bunch of straights who don't know anything about music, and you threw a lot of Clutch albums on the floor, this would be the one they'd walk away with. Yeah, yeah. The uh, like, I do agree that it is more commercial sounding per se, but at the same time, I don't want to say that because honestly, when you say something sounds commercial, it almost comes off as a slight. Not saying when you say it. When, when people say something, oh, it's more commercial, that sounds like you're cutting it at the legs. 
it, it, it has enough to appeal to everybody. It appeals to masses, it appeals to fans. I mean, this was a damn fine album. I came into this album like, okay, it's going to be okay. And then you play DC Sound Attack during one of your MMA podcasts. I'm like, holy fuck balls, I have to listen to this. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Is that harmonica? I would tell you that, and we're going to go right into the title track, first track on the album, uh, as soon as I complete this sentence. This is what a commercial album should sound like. You know, if I'm a, if I'm a record producer, if I'm a uh, studio executive, music studio executive, or music label executive, and I want to put out an accessible commercial album, this is what I would want to put out. Because as I say about children's entertainment, children's entertainment doesn't have to be stupid and dumbed down, um, and commercial entertainment doesn't have to be vanilla and blah and unimaginative. I think you can put out something that's got a lot of talent to it, a lot of ability, uh, interesting-sounding music, without it becoming Mr. Bungle. Well, everyone loves Mr. Bungle and Tomahawk and all of that. You don't necessarily oh, you know, have to go that route. Yeah, you can put out something that sounds exactly like Earth Rocker, and I don't feel like you're going to scare away the straights. And I wish yeah. more people in high-powered pow- high positions in music got that point of view. Because I think the fear is that they have to put out something um, that's just blah and unimaginative, because I think that will attract the most people when historically the things that have hit have been more interesting than anything else. And it's the copycat stuff that the, that the producers say, Oh, well this should make a million bucks too. That tends to fall on its face. I'm going to get one last comment from you, Robert, on that little monologue. And then we're going to get into this. Yeah. I was actually about to, to comment on that. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like when I think of it, like you're certainly right. Like you don't, if you come in saying I'm going to write a hit, you're not going to write a hit. It's going to be garbage. If you come in saying, okay, you know, I want to write an album, and it just happens to be something that, you know, Billy down the street will like, and then you'll like, and then your friends will like, you know, it's got, it's got enough of uh, clutches. Like, it's got enough of their, like, their aura. It's got that aura of clutch, that kind of, that, like, down-home rocker with a little bit of blues and a few other things thrown in. It's got that. But at the same time, it's also got some stuff that you can, you can throw it on the radio, and people will be like, okay, I like it. Kind of reminds me of this album. Reminds me of uh, where would I put it? Maybe about uh, Euthanasia by Megadeth, which I know some people didn't like that album, but it had enough of their core to where it appealed to you know the main like the, the fanboys, but then it also had enough mainstream like it had enough mainstream approach. Like you didn't have gospel in this album. You just you had some more just straightforward rocker songs. You know everybody loves rocker songs. That stuff like that. Like, and there was no yeah, ribonucleic acid. And there was no ribonucleic acid freak out the or rare. I mean, <laughs> I don't. Nothing really jumped out at me as particularly bizarro with the lyrics. Yeah, and no, they didn't drop the mic or anything. <laughs> no, no. And as, as Sean Comer, you can't be careful with that mic on every record. Yeah, Sean did a damn good job. I applaud you, Sean Comer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, big shout out to Sean Comer for uh, being careful with that mic on the last movie podcast. All right, so without further ado, here it is, the title track to uh, Clutch's tech studio album, Earth Rocker. Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. 
come right out of the gate with a pretty Storm and Norman song there, Earth Rocker. I want to share a quote here. Um, Earth Rocker has been described as heavier and faster than preceding albums. Drummer J.P. Goster revealed that this ferocity may be attributed to Clutch's recent touring experience with Motorhead and Thin Lizzy. As Gaster explained, it was on that tour that we realized there was really a lack of just straight-up rock and roll records coming out these days. So I think we wanted to make something that was front-to-back, a very focused kind of recording, a very efficient kind of recording, one that had a good energy from beginning to end. Robert, Earth Rocker, mm-hmm. is this just the best kind of rock song? I mean, is this a great way to start a, a pure rock album? It, oh, I don't know if I would say it's the best. But that's just saying, coming from Jackass Metalheads, I think this is the best way to open this album. By far. I mean, it kind of pretty much is just like, okay, I'm going to write on the bow what your present is. Bam. That's what this song is. <laughs> I mean, I, re- I really dug it. And I think what they were aiming for, a really focused, really kind of dynamic, I hear it is song, that, that's what that is. That's what this album is. Pretty much you're going to get... It's, you're basically going to get a nice stonery, real in your face, just real head banging album for the most part. Now there are some, you know, there's some deviations. I mean, hey, just like Motorhead, not every Motorhead song is Ace of Spades. Yeah, <laughs> there are yeah. certain songs and certain albums that were meant to be heard live. You know, they wrote it with the idea of we're going to tour this album to death, and these are going to be songs that are be great for people to hear live in concert and dance around and boot scoot around the mosh pit. And I think that's probably the best way to describe Earth Rocker, the song, is it's a great way to... It's a great song for a live crowd to listen to. Oh, yeah. it's got, It opens up with that kind of... I want to say ambient. I want to say ambient. It's got, uh, it's got a different flavor. It's kind of setting the beat. And just like you just go straight, straight and awesome. You totally agree. Like if I were if I were you, I'm gonna go see Clutch because I know you're gonna see Clutch. This would be like a song. This would be the song I look forward to because you know I just want to bang my head, throw some elbows. Okay, I don't throw elbows. I'm not the mosh pit type. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's weird. The guy who like loves him some death metal, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to punch anybody. You know. <laughs> but yeah, totally. Uh, let's, Jeremy let's, Lambert. Jeremy Lambert once said on the um, uh, on the Bad Movie Review Club with Sean Comer that he likes movies that tell you what the movie is going to be about in the title. For example, Nude Nuns with Big Guns. That's exactly what that movie was. That's, I'm going to That's a real movie? leave that. In, that is a real movie, yes. Um, watch it on Netflix Amazing. when we're done with this. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so Nude Nuns with Big Guns. But I, but I think the same thing applies to music. I like songs that just tell you what's happening with the song. This is Earth Rocker. It, there, yeah. it wasn't Earth Rocker and then a bunch of ambient noises and frogs and shit. It was exactly what it was, just a, a really fast rock and tune, a great way to start this album. Oh, yeah, yeah, it definitely was. Like, Earth Rocker, like, the album cover pretty much advertises this. It was some Native American dude that looks like he was on some PCP and was going to rock. All the colors and shit. Yeah, that is this this song, this album. I mean, I, I hate to, I hate to say one at one song is like this is your album, but it's pretty good representation. Just 
You start the song, you bang your head, the song's over, you're like, I want more. <laughs> and more is what we're going to get. Here is track two. This is Crucial Velocity. Yeah, just to go off of what you were talking about earlier with uh, 
you know, this this is kind of, I don't want to say it's slow, but it does have a nice groove. Like it's got something like you just kind of like, yeah. Something you can just, damn it. So, yeah. <laughs> there was, it's got something you can just kind of, you can kind of bump, bob your head to. Not even like headbangers. Like, yeah. Just like sit, just sit back and just listen and you just feel like the man. You know, that's, that's what group metal is to me. <laughs> just sit back and feel like the man. But, uh. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Rambling. No, no, no. I, I didn't know if you were done. No, no, you can go ahead. I was just ready. Okay. I was just summing well, up. That's that's what that song pretty much does for me. I was just like, okay, you know, got that fast. It's got that heavy that we got in the first song. But it starts sliding in the groove. Just a little bit sliding it again. Yes. Okay, here's Jack Swagger's uh, favorite song off this album. He's, of course, uh, an American-American. This is Mr. Freedom. talked about how uh, in the recording process 
they, um, yeah, Dan Maines actually, I think, uh, was the one that said it, that uh, he actually had to play a lot of solos in this album. Ah, here we go, sorry, it was Tim Salt. Here's the quote. Um, Tim Salt noting that the approach resulted in additional soloing. I would have never expected to have him playing as many solos on this album, but they definitely had more of a direction than they usually do. It definitely took a lot more concentration, but I walked away from this album liking them more than I have on any other album. And he was talking here again about the fact that they had uh, a lot of the music already planned out before they ever hit the studio. What do you think about that, Robert? Um, as a singer in a band and such, and you know, somebody who's interacted with musicians, do you feel like it ham- hampers or um, promotes the creative process uh, to work these things out, work songs out before you hit the studio, or to get to the studio and kind of let the uh, let the jamming take its course. Hmm. How about you? Let's you ask me. I feel like it's a little bit of both, but they both have different advantages. Like, let's say me and you are going to start a band. We just walk into the room and be like, okay, let's play something. That's really good, but at the same time, it's kind of like, okay, I want to write a story, and then you just start stream of consciousness writing a story. It's not going to be as cohesive. It's not going to really feel – it might not feel as polished as, let's say, I had a few ideas for a book, and then I start hammering up what I'm thinking of for the ideas, have a little more focus. It might not feel as – what's the word? Soul, maybe? It might not feel as though it came off the top of my head, but – I think it's a little bit, if you come in, I think it's better to come in with, like, ideas, at least, you know, one or two ideas for something. Hey, I thought of this. This is really cool. What do you think? You know, I think it's better to do that than just, like, okay, sit down. So what do you guys got? You know, that's that that can be good, but at the same time, that can really hamper the creative process. Because if you just sit down and be like, okay, we're going to come up with something, you're not, it's going to be kind of strained. It's better if you just kind of do it outside rather than inside. Because, you know, outside, like, if you do it on the outside of the band, you have different influences, different ideas, different stuff. If you just sit down like, okay, guys, we're going to make an album, you'll get you'll get some youthfulness, you'll get some soul, you'll get something new. At the same time, you could just get a retread. you get some mindless. We don't want mindless. Okay, we like mindless. Cannibal Corpse is great, but, yeah. <laughs> I would also assume it's a lot cheaper to go into a studio, do your business, and then leave, as opposed to go in there and noodle until you come up with something. Yeah, yeah. and noodling until you come up with something could be, one, a long and two, a tiring process. Because if I just sat down, well, if I sat down to write an article, and I'm like, okay, what am I going to write? I could sit there for a day and not come up with anything. You could get a pretty bad writer's block. I mean, you could do it, too, if you come, you know, if you are trying to come up with ideas for your album away from this setting. But sometimes if you're just sitting, if you like sitting at the computer, you're like, okay, uh, still no ideas. You, you can you can really screw you over. Honestly, I think it's better that they came to this album with, like, I think it's better that they came this time wanting more structure, wanting ideas that they've already come up with, having ideas, having songs planned out. Because sometimes you can have a plan and then it can flourish. They can do that, too, because they sound like a band that has just showed up to play some shit, put it on record. And it's sometimes good to have a change. I like that. Absolutely. Good change. 
So we're talking a lot about how um, Clutch had a somewhat of a return to heaviness on this album, but for those of you who liked Blast Tyrant, From Beale Street to Oblivion, Robot Hive Exodus, for those of you who fell in love with this band because of their adoption of heavy blues, and you heard the first three tracks and thought, gee whiz, I hope they haven't abandoned that. Well, slap yourself, because they have. Talks. I was like, oh, so amazing. 
Oh, God, somebody's got a call. No, no, no. That's... Hang on. <laughs> so, normally, I uh, use my landline to do these podcasts, but I'm using my internal microphone on the computer tonight because my... I was having some problems with my phone on Sunday, which is why you just heard my phone ringing <laughs> just now. Let's, yeah. Let's get back to the podcast, shall we? Live, everybody. <laughs> uh, yes. Unlike yeah, Seamus and Randy Orton, you have to you have to know when to vamp. Now, listen. Um, they they really they brought back that heavy blue sound, which was great. But I mean, even at that, it, I, everything just feels like it's building on previous installment. And the DC sound attack, like it took what they did in Robot Hive Exodus and Blast Tyrant. Um, what a use of the harmonica, first of all. Oh, I love I mean, that harmonica. What an underrated instrument, first of all, wouldn't you say? I mean, not enough, you don't get enough harmonica in modern rock music, but when it's used and used effectively, it makes the song like ten times better. Oh, yeah, like The Wizard by Black Sabbath, one of the best songs ever to have a harmonica in it. Just sets that yes. up so well. Yes, exactly. I mean, this song, I think that so- this song was made by the harmonica. I want you to know, after hearing that song, I walked around my house just whistling, da 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 Yes, just whistle it the entire time. I could not get it out of my head. The harmonica is a damn catchy instrument. <laughs> I walked around telling people that I had blood in my eyes when I was looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> and they were probably like, what the fuck? It was a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, it's people I work with at the jail, so they know exactly what my deal is. I often, um, I am often told I am exactly the right type of personality to work with the mentally ill. Uh, you and me both. Oh well, I'm going to be working with children. <laughs> what's the, the mentally ill children? What's the difference? I was going to say you're working with children who are in fact mentally ill, so you know you'll be fine. Oh God, um, mentally ill children. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, totally ha- it has a heavy groove to it. Um, political undertones, but again, Clutch does it in such a way that to me it's inoffensive, so I don't even think about it half the time. It, you know, it's definitely one of those songs where I could hear, you know, I'm a warmonger baby, but, you know, and all that, and I'm like, you know, fine. I'm sure if I, if Neil Fallon and I sat down and were discussing our options with what to do with North Korea, you know, he would have a different set of ideas than I would. Except that that's not why I'm listening to Clutch. I'm not listening to Clutch for their uh, political theory. I'm listening to Clutch because they make damn fine music. And this was a damn fine song. Exactly. Like, you know, some artists, like even like the hyper-conservative, hyper-liberal, I'm not a fan of either. But like, you know, Tom Rilla, love his shit. Even though, you know, he gets a little too political. Dave Mustaine, he may be a complete and total asshat. Like his music. Even fucking Uncle Ted, Ted Nugent. Love his stuff. So he kind of sort of married a 17-year-old. That's not cool, dude. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can look past. You can look past a ton of shit for good, for a good musician. Like you really can. Now, rapist, murderous. Not not. I don't think you can do that. But everything else. Yeah. By the way, there's an echo of me. I can hear it. <laughs> okay, I can. This, this will be fun when I listen to this back. And I do listen to these. I check the comments, oh. I listen to them. I'm a big fan of me and what I do. Uh, see, once I listen to something, like I can't stand hearing my voice played back. 
So it's really fun when I'm the one having to edit shit. Oh, it's so great. I'm like, <laughs> like, I get used to it after a while. And I'm like, okay, my voice isn't that bad. But just starting, I'm like, who is that asshole? <laughs> well, yeah, I should God, start God listening God to God Robert. Yeah, I had you know um, when we had Sam Riccati on the uh, and I and I love Sam Riccati. I don't I don't have anything negative to say about him. My father He's listened to the podcast that he was on with uh, Sean and I. We were discussing yeah. Batman, and my father goes, "You sounded really, really good and really, really confident." Who was the guy who fell asleep, who was look, sounding like he was asleep at the mic? Oh, he sounded he sounded <laughs> odd. No, like no offense to Sam, it just sounded like he was really tired. You found him at a bad time or something. Unfortunately, that's how he sounds. He's got he's got this really silky, you know, jazz voice and he always sounds like he's about one minute from taking a nap. And sometimes he is. But uh that's not necessarily he doesn't sound tremendously different when he's really excited either. Uh, I thought he sounded a little different than he did with uh, when he works with Lambert. Because with him and Lambert, it's like they're like sometimes he does sound like he just sleeps, but like a good three quarters of the time he's all peppy and I hate Joe Rogan and you know, all that other stuff. Yeah, if you get him going maybe. But um, let me say this, once more into the breach. of the set list, they'll tell you what was the encore. Changes every night, and while there are a handful of songs that they play at every show, mostly from Earth Rocker itself, though they seem to be ending every show now with Electric Worry, uh, Vamanos, Vamanos. Vamanos, Vamanos. Yeah. <laughs> they've played a lot of the same stuff from Earth Rocker, and then they just alternate other songs from other albums, which is pretty cool. I don't know how other bands do it. Like, I don't know, when Metallica toured the Earth, after the Black Album with uh, Danzig and Suicidal Tendencies. I don't know if they played the same set every night. You know, maybe switched it up one or two songs here or there, or, you know, if it was exactly the same, or if they do like Clutch does. But Clutch never plays the same show twice. Oh, and cool. I will tell you this, though. They, they play Unto the Breach at every, at every show. From what I could tell, I actually did a spreadsheet trying to figure out what they might be playing in, in Orlando when I see them, because mm-hmm. I'm that big of a nerd. Yay. And they play Unto the Nerd! They play Unto the Breach at every single show. And I'm going to tell you this much. Unto the Breach is going to cause chaos. People, I mean, that's going to be like, that's going to be the Shogun name Marcus of that show. That's going to be the one where people just go running into the mosh pit. 
that would be totally awesome. And uh, some bands do have the same, like like Megadeth. They always end with Holy Wars, always, just just for reference. I love Megadeth. Oh, by the way, Megadeth and Iron Maiden are doing a seven-show tour this fall. Hopefully they hit Florida. They're hitting Raleigh. Yes. <laughs> Good for you because nobody tours North Carolina, apparently. Yeah, well, I, well hey, they're, they're starting in Raleigh, but the problem is it's on a Tuesday. <laughs> oh, well, if you're yeah. any music fan, you'll go anyway. Well, well, see, that's my problem. Well, see, I'm a music fan. My parents are not. <laughs> my mom does not understand my music. No, no, Robert Cooper. Let me explain oh, it to God. you. Listen to, now listen to your old tappy rattling, see? When I was your age, I, if there was a, no matter what the concert was, if it was during the week and I had school or I had work, I went. And there were plenty of times I didn't get home until I had to get up again for work the next day or I had to get up again for, for school the next day. And you change your pants, you brush your teeth, you, put, you eat a banana, and you walk out the goddamn door again. You tell your parents, <laughs> metal, and that's all you need to know, and then you go to that concert, boy. I probably should. I just need to grab, take her by the shoulder and go, Mother, Mother dearest, Iron Maiden. Do you understand that Iron Maiden could go anywhere in the world? Because their singer has a fucking plane. But no. Those assholes are in fucking Raleigh. Who goes to Raleigh? Nobody. Right. Nobody goes to Raleigh. Yeah, I, I think I need to explain that. The only reason that, why they would be touring Raleigh is apparently they planned to have a flat tire that day. It's weird. Uh, last year when they played... Uh, they went on that huge uh, Back in Time tour, the uh, Made in England. They started in Charlotte. I don't get it. Maybe they just love starting in North Carolina. Maybe. Maybe it's an easy it. to get into. Maybe. Maybe. But, yeah, I mean, I got that. Anthrax is a bus, sadly. But, hey, there's a Mayhem Festival. Oh, yeah, Mayhem Festival. Amon Amarth, Children of Bodom, Gene Head, Macedon, I already got my tickets for Rockstar Mayhem, got my tickets for Clutch, and I just bought tickets to the day before Clutch. I am going to see Three Inches of Blood and Goat Whore. You, oh, you bastard. See, I looked because I saw that you were going, so I'm like, oh, dude, I wonder if they're coming in here. No. They skip it. <laughs> it's like, damn it. Is Clutch coming to North Carolina? Blood. Is Clutch coming to North Carolina? What? Because if they're North coming to North Carolina, you know. Especially, like, with the sword. I love the sword, too. Let's see. I'm telling you, when oh, we're yeah. done with this podcast, you should check them out on Facebook, see if see if they're coming to North Carolina. They usually, oh. I mean, if they're coming to Tampa, they're usually playing all over the South. Yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. Cause, that's kind of odd, because most bands, they will play the South, but usually they'll hit Florida, Texas, Georgia, Nashville, and then maybe, uh, like, somewhere in Virginia. Like if, like, if they're coming here, they'll come either Greensboro, Raleigh, or... Uh, Charlotte, and actually we did get, we got Fozzie in Winston. Fozzie hit Winston-Salem, and I couldn't go. I was so mad. Fozzie, as in Chris Jericho's band? Yeah, Chris Harachico himself. Yeah, Chris Jericho. If, you, if you've read his book, you, if you need to read his book. If you read his book, you'll get that. Great. <laughs> so these are all these songs so far, the first five or six songs here have... Um, have all been really, really heavy, fast, fun songs. And then Clutch turns it down, breaks the tempo, and hits you with a straight blues song.
days he changed Can't seem to recall My true given name I see my footprints How they come, how they go Was that yesterday Or only a moment ago My heart is gone Johnny Cash, but it's up there. Um, definitely heard a little, uh, little uh, "Ain't No Grave," "Hold Me Down," "I've Got No Strings," whatever. However, that song goes. Yeah, I really, actually, I, I love this song. Like, I was, I was listening to like the last part. Of the, I think this is the first song I listened to because I was watching Breaking Bad with my stepdad. It's you know, amazing show. You should watch it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, if we're gonna watch this episode, I need to finish this album because I can't do a podcast without listening to the album because that's not fair. <laughs> so you know, this song started, and I'm just like, holy shit, I adore this. It is just so great. It's got so bluesy. It's got so much emotion to it. I just, I just loved it. I didn't see this coming either. Like out in the cold, I'm like, okay, that sounds kind of sad, but I'm pretty sure they're gonna jam to it. No, no, they gave me something to light my lighter to. Damn it. You know, it's um, it's a fitting tribute to some of the blues songs they covered in previous albums. You know, I jokingly said someday we should do a clutch retrospective part two, the deep cut. And I was talking about, you know, the songs that didn't make albums, you know, just from their, like, EPs and stuff. But um, if you look at, like, Robot Hive Exodus, they actually cover a blues song or two on that album. And they, they do that here and there. You know, occasionally you pick up a, a soundtrack or a compilation, and they'll be one of the very, very few clutch covers. And, you know, they've done, they've done Politician by Cream, you know, they said they've done some blues, and this is the this was a fitting tribute to those influences. I thought. Yeah, this really like hit that spot. Like I know you're not as much into like doom and slow stuff as I am. This really just kind of felt it kind of hit that spot that like doom just hits for me. Like that spot deep down, and you just kind of it's just like the emotion hits you, and it just it kind of gives you just like the strength from it. I love it. It was just it was great. So awesome. Yeah, that's definitely one of those songs you can kind of dim the lights to. It's also a, it's also a nice uh, come down song. Uh, and Earth Rocker is very much about the live experience, and I feel like Gone Cold is a great song to play to bring the crowd down after they've hit them with so many fast and heavy songs. They can say, "Okay, let's take a step back," and they play Gone Cold, and everybody chills out, and then they you know 
Then they hit you with something else. Maybe a little something else that sounds like this. After that, you know, kind of like that power palette cleanser. That was a nice little blues, blues romp that we had. I mean, we went from heavy to groovy, heavy to groovy to heavy again to blues to this, which is really, which is just like a really, just like a really nice return to what we were listening to. It's a little bit of something more than we expect. I don't, I won't quite say this is one of my more favorite tracks on the album. Not that it's bad. But it was still it was still pretty awesome. I dug it. I dug it. I, I, was, I don't know. Maybe it was just the fact that I was still stunned after uh, after the you know the past track. <laughs> I was like, okay, man, that was awesome. And then we get back to go, and I'm like, oh shit, better get my pants on. We're about to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gone Cold really brings it down, but in a good way. And in the face, you know, it's not kind of a pie-in-face sort of transition. It's more of a slower transition as the album picks back up again. You know, albums, when they're when they're done well, should follow kind of a wave pattern. You know, start here, up, 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 down a little bit, then up again, and then down, and, you know, then, like, for example, Nirvana's Nevermind ends with something in the way. 
which is a very, very slow and eerie song. It begins with Smells Like Teen Spirit, which is a very high-paced, high-energy song. Really fun song. And then it kind of goes up and down in the middle. Um, Appetite for Destruction, kind of the same thing. Begins with Welcome to the Jungle, probably one of the most enigmatic opening songs of any album anywhere. Such a such a great opening song. They use it in the opening of Stand by, of uh, Lean on Me, and every other thing where they want to show a school in chaos. So, uh, and but then I think it ends. And I don't remember how Appetite for Destruction ends, but it ends on a kind of a slower note. Yeah, I mean, there's like I'm trying to think what's one I can think of. Oh yeah, the Black Album by Metallica. Is that how damn overrated it is? It's a very overrated album, in my opinion. Still good. So yeah, it kind of goes. You got stuff like Inner Sandman. And then it kind of slows down, nothing else matters, all stuff like that, and Wolf and Man, you know, other stuff. And it's like you've got some of the slower, some slower, more somber tracks in the middle of your kind of sort of thrash. Yes. Every album should be able to roll credits over it. Yeah, I think that is a pretty good way. I mean, sometimes, I mean, like the last Testament album, I love the way that ended with just like fucking thrash. I mean, some albums, you, you can't end on a roll credits, but at the same time, I would prefer that if it is in the character of the band, they should do it. Like, you know, Cannibal Corpse, if Cannibal Corpse ends with a, a cover of Nothing Else Matters, I might just have to go massacre. I might have to go massacre, like, a few woodland creatures. But, you know, if, like, let's say, yeah, let, let's say, like, Metallica. If Metallica ends with something like that, okay, that's cool. Like, what was the last track on Load? Was it Bleeding Me? Yeah, Bleeding Me. Oh, yeah. That was, okay. That was that was a classic, you know, something like that. Something that's just beautiful, somber. That's nice. It kind of it kind of decompresses you, so you can just kind of take in the album and be like, okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote the great Sean Comer. Never give me any any ideas because I'm dumb enough to run with all of them. And now that you've got me on this, you know, Cannibal Corp shouldn't end a certain way. I, now I want them to end their next album with Blowing in the Wind. <laughs> I want him to end with Dust in the Wind by a Kansas. There we go. I'll take Dust in the Wind. I'll take Blowing in the Wind. I'll take something from a Mighty Wind. You know, something with wind in Wind of change. Can <laughs> hmm. you imagine? Dust <laughs> <right>. in the wind. <laughs> No, I wanted to. I wanted to sing it like normal. I want. I just oh. wanted all of a sudden, you know, just to nine tracks of, and then one track of, blowing in the wind. The wind. <laughs> oh God, I'm pretty uh, sure they would. They would get came for that. <laughs> what was the? Wasn't there an episode of Metalocalypse where like fans were killing themselves because of something the band did? With reference to oh, the did, music, I, think, I remember there was one where they went acoustic or something. Right, I've, yeah, I've something seen as much really like that. I've not seen as much uh, as I should, because Adult Swim's kind of like some of their stuff's kind of shitty. Oh, right, right, right. Right. most most of it. Yeah. All right, let's go to the next track here. This is Buck Saddle and Ghost.
said that um, if you play from the heart, if you play from the brain and not the heart, then it sounds stale on playback. Do you agree? What? Sorry. <laughs> if you play, Neil Fallon, singer of the band, said in an interview recently that if you play from the brain and not the heart, then it sounds stale on playback. Do you agree? You know, honestly, I think that's kind of true. Like a lot of, like some like technical, like somewhat, like just for example, like technical, some technical death metal. It feels more, I don't want to say staged. It it feels more practice than something that's like coming from the heart. Like like, oh, that's nice, but I don't feel like there's any emotion. There's nothing that really makes me want to come back. I mean, there's some nice, there's some nice stuff there, but it just it doesn't have that personal feel to it. Yeah, I think I mean well I'm into interesting music and I like um different sounds with music. I think there are some bands that get obs- overwhelmed, obsessed, um distracted with um bells and whistles in music and they don't focus on just playing. And maybe that's not fair to some of those bands, but I can tell you that you can feel the pow- you can feel the emotion in certain music, and it may not be as technical as some others, but it's infinitely better. Yeah, I think that's honestly sometimes I think that's what like also draws me like stoner rock and stuff like that, because it's just like you know I feel like they just came they wanted to have some fun I, I felt that rather than some more technical more progressive stuff it just feels it doesn't feel as fresh. It, uh, it's just something like it, it ages. I want to say it ages poorly sometimes. Like some stuff from the heart, yeah, that can that can get a little bad. There's some pop songs from the heart that make me kind of want to kill some people. Like Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. I want to read Swift another Taylor. quote here. I want to read another quote here from Neil Fallon. This is in an interview he did with Crave Online. Now the question was, would you say there's a thematic thread connection connecting the songs? He said a very loose one, if that. I definitely went into this saying, let's not overthink this record. I wanted to make more of a fun record uh, than, say, Strange Cousins, at least lyrically. If there was any common theme, it was sort of commenting on rock and roll. Not in an overly specific way, but it's our participation in rock and roll. The older I get, the more appreciative I am of that. Robert, what's your reaction to his statement? I, I agree with it. Well, I mean, I can't really say much on the on getting older thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a whole lot of young goat, but yeah, like a lot of stuff, like stuff is more fun. I, f- I feel like it, it does get more appreciated. Like, I guess because it's one that was like, you know, a smart record that's fine. But I guess once you get older, you're just like, I've heard it all. Every, you know, I'm tired of everybody trying to one up each other on, oh, this is just, you know, oh, you know, I, I made the the craziest, most progressive Mike Patney album. You know, sometimes you're like, okay, that's nice, but I've heard that. I don't want to hear you just trying to, like, do something better. I just kind of want to hear what you feel. Play from the heart, damn it. I want something fun. I want to bang my head and metal help will drive me mad. <laughs> All right. Well, here's a fun song. This is called Cyborg Medic.
Now, that's a question I've often wanted to ask you on this show. Why you got to run so hot? Why do I have to run so hot? Yes. I don't know. Cyborg Robert. What? I said, why do you have to run so hot, Cyborg Robert? I don't know. I just feel like some man. I'm 40. <laughs> um, that song was meant for shaking your butt. <laughs> I hear that, and I'm like, <laughs> we're we're we're, pick, we're back up to kind of where we were at the beginning of the album with the tempo and the, and the beat and everything. But you know, I, I was it, shaking my butt. I I'm good because that song was meant to shake your butt, shake your peanut. That's that's what they say on the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, shake your peanut. So you know, when you listen to Cyborg Betty, shake your peanut. So don't 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 mind if I do. Like that song, it was a lot of fun. Like I, I love how you just segued in there. Like you know, here's something fun. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is a lot of fun. It's got, like, that nice driving, groovy beat that just makes you just want to dance around everywhere like a moron. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had two visions fun. in that song. I had two visions. I had kind of a 60s stock hop kind of a feeling, you know, where you and your best girl with your body socks on and your poodle skirt, you know, and you're just dancing and having a great time at, 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 the, uh, at the malt shop. I had that kind of a feeling. And I also had that Blues Brothers uh, playing behind the fence throwing beer bottles at the band kind of feeling uh, also. <laughs> and, that's, and I contribute that more to the tone of the song than anything else. But I, I just, it was, it just felt like a very, very danceable, fun track. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say you can turn your brain off during it because sometimes uh, that can be kind of insulting. You know, just turn your brain off and listen to it. Some bands, you know, as we've already mentioned, get you times Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, there's not much thinking in that. It's a nice little horror story. Something like this, this is something you can send to somebody who doesn't like metal. And be like, here, here you go. Here's some metal right there. Some fun, something they can dance to. Something kind of relatable. Because I don't want to say it's got like a, like a more of a rock sound than a metal sound. But it kind of has more of a rock sound. I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. I dug it. Okay. So, okay, you dug it. Okay, cool. Yeah, sorry. I, I heard you say we're gonna. I'm gonna say it, and I don't want to say it. And I was waiting for you to say it, and then you said nothing. So I, I must have missed it. Well, no. Well, I know. I just said it because I said uh, I don't want to say. I don't want to say that it has a. Uh, it's more rock than metal, but I'm gonna say it's more rock than metal. It is more rock than metal. I don't think that's a bad thing. All right, yeah, we're was, almost done. Saying, yeah, continue. We're almost done with this album, Earth Rocker. We've got two tracks left. This is the second to last track. This is Oh Isabella.
Cinderella is clutch. As I'm listening to that, that's another one of those examples of a pure clutch sound. If like someone said, "Well, describe them to me," and I couldn't come up with a good label, I would play "Oh Isabella." Yeah, I mean that's pretty fair. I mean I'm not nearly as educated or as versed in clutch. I just see use the same synonym to basically say, "You know your clutch." But I can mm-hmm. definitely say that I agree. That was fun. That had a nice bluesy edge to it. Kind of, I still kind of wanted to dance, but I didn't because it was cool enough so I didn't have to. It was, it was just fun. I'd say, I'd say clutch, and, like, if you were to give them one word to describe clutch, it's fun. Yeah, especially this album. Um, I would say this is probably their most fun album that they've done in recent memory. Because, again, just going kind of going back through the post-Jam Room era, you've got... Uh, Blast Tyrant, which which certainly was fun, but it was, again, it was so off the wall at times, and it was when they were first starting to experiment with these with the with the blues sound that um that was a, there was a lot of focus on it. There's also a lot of focus on the thematic elements of the album, starting with the artwork and then going into the music itself. Robot Hive Exodus was so out there. I mean, ribonucleic acid freak out the power of prayer. That's all I'm going to tell you about robot acid. <laughs> um, it's really all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, from Beale Street to Oblivion uh, took it back to a more uh, to to a more mainstream place. But even still, you know, with songs like Electric Worry and The Devil and Me, uh, you just you had so much blues in that album. I, this is going to sound like an insult, but it's not. It's actually a compliment. Up to this point, and I don't really count Strange Cousins from the West in this. That's, that's, I, that's a whole separate rant. But Last Tyrant, Robot Hive Exodus, and From Beale Street to Oblivion feel like albums where Clutch was really, really trying. They were trying to do different things. They were trying to bring in all these other elements. Clearly, they had a focus on what they were doing, and it shows. But it shows in a good way. It, you know, you could you could you could hear their effort in the music. I don't yeah. know what the hell they were doing with with, with Strange Cousins from the West. Um, it just it feels like an oddly out of place album um, in the whole clutch pantheon. It definitely feels like a throwback to the pre Jam Room era. I feel like it's sound wise, it's more closely related to. Uh, Elephant Riders and and, uh, and Pure Rock Fury than anything else. Uh, this one, it doesn't feel like they were trying as much. Which, again, sounds like an insult, but it's not. Because I think you can also take everything you've done up to this point and go, okay, let's just do more of that, but we're so good that we can do more of that and it still sound new and fresh and interesting. And I think that's where the fun comes from. I feel like... Yeah. With this album, creatively, they let their hair down, and they just played for the love of music. Yeah, which is actually kind of ironic that they're letting their hair down and doing that, considering they actually, this is an album that they came in with ideas, with songs, everything thought, like a lot of things thought out. I think that's kind of neat. But actually, to to twist your almost insulting-sounding statement into just a complete compliment, it's not that they were not trying. It's just they weren't trying as hard. They were just being soulful. There we go. That's the word. They're being soulful. This really does feel kind of like 
a soulful album, not like soulful, not like Adele, nothing like that, not that type of soulful. Something that just feels like it's from the heart, from the soul, just a lot of fun, all that. Yeah. The rhythm got them, and they let the rhythm get them, and it came out in this album. I thought you said the rhythm got them. I'm like, what? Is it a Batman coming out of this? No, the rhythm is going to get you. The rhythm is going to get you. The rhythm is going to get you. Ugh, never mind. Yeah. I, I, I recognize that beat, but I think you might have just went over my age range. I'm one million years old. <laughs> You're not that old, honestly. So it's funny, like, when I, when I call them when I'm on my hiatus, my mom goes, well, why don't you go tell your little friends that you're not going to be writing for the site? I just have to, like, Mom, some of these people are almost your age. I mean, she's, like, almost 50, but still, I'm sure we have some older people on the site. I'm like, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm in high school anymore where people are 15. I'm like, these are grown-ass men. Your like, mom is, you said? Your mom is 50 years old? She's almost 50. Close. She's 49? Yeah. I'm 12 years younger than her. Yeah, I know. I just love when she's like, your little, your little friends. I'm like, they're, they're not little. They're, they're pretty big fellas. Apparently, if you saw that one thread on our Super Secret Writers, writers Forum, we were like, oh, yeah, I'm this tall. Like, everybody's like, you know, I'm 6'2". I thought I was a big fella. No, we got a lot of people who are like 6'4". You got Sporcina who's like 6'6". Six, six. Like, Christ. I write for the land of the no, giants. No, I am. No, I am not one of them. No, I'm I'm short. I I am uh I am a sh- well you've seen my pictures on Facebook. I am a squat fellow. Uh, yes. But you know I'm Zonk and I I think one of the two oldest guys on the site. Yeah. Yeah. I mean we don't. I think, a lot of guys I think we have most. Yeah, I think most people are like in their like early, late twenties, early thirties. I think I'm. I think I might be the youngest. I mean I think Lambert's closer to my age than anyone else. I'm not sure though. Yeah. I'm not sure. But I, I take I take pride in being uh, old man of the mountains on 401. I relish it because it's funny because Don, Don actually referenced that once in a podcast. He was like, I I don't know how old Rattledge is, but he sounds like he's a million. And I was like, yeah, that's about right. That's what I go for. You're the old man on the Silver Mountain. That's right. My my wife says she loves her. You know, we're seven years apart. She says I love my old man. I I, I wanted an old man and I found one. Now, as, as a term, the irony of that is I stay up later and I like to do more and party more than she does. But that's hardly the issue here. Speaking of hardly the issue, this is the Wolfman kindly requests the final track on Earthrock.
Dampen my little parade here like you did at the top of the podcast with my joke. 
I have the wildcat in my ass. <laughs> Why okay. don't you uh, give me your review, your 50-word or less review of Earth Rocker? Oh, please. Um, we've known each other well enough to where I'm sure you can guess. 50 words or less is an impossibility for me. <laughs> but to add add some levity, levity to this conversation, since I am not a Clutch fanboy, I am a casual Clutch listener at best. I would give this on my personal scale of usually 70s like shit album for me, and I think the highest I've gotten was last year's Rush, which is 94. This would get about an 87 or an 88, which basically means there were some real standout songs, some songs that I loved, some songs that were in my head, and then the rest of the album was good, but I didn't find it to be like ball blasting great. That's not that's not trying to undercut them at all. I just felt like there were some uh, notes on the album. That didn't that weren't, that weren't as strong as the strongest songs, which I know is going to sound weird because you know strongest songs that means they're the best. Like some of my favorite albums, they kept that same like everything sounded like a greatest hit. Not everything here to me sounded like a greatest hit, but that's I'm not I don't that's just me nitpicking. This album right here, I'll be honest, if I can find it seven bucks or less, I am going to buy it. Because there's enough for me to come back here and listen. There's a lot of fun notes. There's some stuff I'm sure that I've missed. I absolutely love some of the songs. And the songs that, like, you know, weren't as good, they're still good. They're still very good. They're still fun. And there's something still to listen to. Yeah, so 87, so that's about four out of five stars. Maybe a little higher. But yeah, four, four out of five. Respectable. Pretty good. Pretty good. B plus. B plus. You give Clutch a B plus. Folks, this will be the last 401 music podcast as Robert and I are no longer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, That's fine. That's a fair review. Maybe an A minus. I'll give you maybe A minus. I am a very, like, I'm I'm too soft on my grading because I don't like giving things a shitty rating, but I'm also too hard because I don't want to call anything the greatest thing ever until I've got a little perspective of the year. So you yeah. rate it on a curve is what you're telling me. If, if if nothing else is better than this album, this album could actually be rated higher on your scale. No, not necessarily. I mean, 87, 88, I usually stick to my scale, but like, let's, like, okay, a little short story time. Last year, I told you about my, I'm sure I told you about my heavy metal spreadsheet, where I have every release yes. throughout the year, and I have it graded. Yeah, like last year I got to Elvin King's era, which had a 90. I thought that nothing was going to get higher than that 90. I was wrong. I had other albums come in, beat it. Other ones, not as good. I kind of use albums as like almost like a gateway, kind of like, kind of like Matt Hamill. You know, it's a gatekeeper. Like if you can beat this album, yeah, it's Matt Hamill. I had to sneak that in there. It's a... Like it's a gateway. Honestly, I think this would be the top of eighty-seven. Like eighty-seven, low eighty-eight, which is phenomenal. Some of my favorite albums from last year, like the ones I mentioned, Woods You Priest, Sabaton, those got eighty-seven, which you know, still pretty good. Like, does, does an album that scores a hundred with you produce an erection and, and or something? I don't like. What, what would <laughs> what, what, what is would, a one? What would produce a hundred? Uh, well, not only I would get an erection, every male in the in the 25-mile square radius would also get erections. Okay. So uh, it would have like, to be some like, great unifying factor. Like something that I listen to and I'm like, holy fucking fuck shit balls, holy crap, 
any expletive I can think of. This is amazing. Like, I think the album that would come closest to 100 in the past two, three years was Anthrax's worship music, which I'm sure you're like, yeah, it doesn't have John Bush, four out of five, or four out of ten. But still, I, like, that, that album blew me away, seeing as I've never been around for, like, an Anthrax album. That's something I find that is really cool about now, being a music fan now. Like, Megadeth's new album, last, like, uh, a few years ago. Like, that was my first Megadeth album that I was hearing as a fan, like, that's coming hot off the press. There's nothing more exciting to me than being around for a band you love that's coming out with new music. Like, there's bands like Death, and Death will never have a new, never have a new album. I'll never get to experience that happiness, kind of like you are with Clutch. Like, you know, Clutch has a new album, holy shit. I'm going to drop everything I'm doing and listen to this new Clutch album. I don't get that with Death, but with some bands, I do. Anthrax, like, you know, eight-year absence, I got that. I was like, holy shit, I got so excited, listened to it. It was everything I wanted. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right. Yeah, sorry to ramble on you there, but... No, no, you're not rambling. I mean, I do, I do want to close out closer to the 90-minute mark here. But, no, I, I, I get it. And, you know, I was being a little facetious with the, with the erection comment. But, you know, that's fine. I... You all have different scales, and I and I had a feeling that once I asked that question, I was like, well, I kind of know the answer to this. He's going to tell me something that is mind-blowingly different from everything else out there or something that gives him yeah, the same I feeling like, I get when I listen to uh, this I album. Feel like 100, I feel like 100, that's like something that I don't feel like I'm going to ever hear because I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to hear an album that I can completely say is the greatest album of all time because I don't, I don't, I've not heard every album of all time. I can't say that. Right. But I can just, yeah. I mean, I, I I should switch to a star scale, four out of five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, you know, not the the albums like Nevermind, Dr. Dre's The Chronic, Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses, you know, albums that were redefining of a genre of an entire era, perfect albums, they don't come along every day. So I think, no. I, I think what you're saying is fair. Okay, uh, so that's our podcast for this evening. Thank you for uh, tuning in. I hope we've turned some of you who were skeptical on to the greatest band that nobody's ever heard of, though they still made number one in the Billboard chart, so I don't, I probably have to come up with a new nickname for them. But it's the greatest band that most right people here. haven't heard of. Yes. <laughs> uh, in two weeks, we will be back with Robert's Pick, which, as it turns out, Robert's Pick was my pick. So that worked out well. It is, of course, the new Fin Troll album. Um, name I don't recall. I think it's Blood's Vet. I don't know. Something oh, not named. Uh, but... Hold on. Give me a quick hot second, and I will tell you. Come on. Work faster, Spotify. Work faster. Blood's uh, <laughs> Vet. Yes. All right. So we are going to travel to the land of Hoopa. Yes. Trollish folk metal. Oh, boy. Hobbit rock. We are going to review the new Finn Troll and all of its non-Englishness. So that'll the be fantastic. It is the music of Sauron. Yes. Uh, you can find the metal. You can find Robert Cooper if you've enjoyed his uh, soulful wisdom on Twitter <laughs> at, at the Metal Coop. Robert, what else is going on? What do, what do I have going on? Let's see. The Hammer of Doom 
it'll be back. It'll be back by the end of May, and then I'll be going back weekly because school will be over. Thank heavenly Lord Deity Jesus. That'll be there every Sunday. Usually every Sunday night, early Monday. That's the Hammer of Doom News Report. I bring you metal, metal. He says, all that bullshit. Okay. Got that. And another thing that I'm actually quite excited about is me and two buddies of mine are starting a podcast called the Three Beards Podcast. What is it about? Fuck if I know. I mean, basically all it is is just us talking for like an hour, just talking about whatever the hell we want. And, you know, you've heard me on here. I'm a fun personality, at least I like to think so. So imagine that, and then two other people who will probably be intoxicated by the time we're finished. We're going to be talking at least the new Evil Dead. I've not seen it, but they've seen it, so they're going to spoil the hell out of it for me, those bastards. So there's that. We also, let's see, any other things? Since I write a podcast, still haven't done episode two, but we talk all this Tokusatsu, Power Rangers, Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, whatever the fuck you want. All that. Do I have any other plugs? Well, not for me, but... You should totally, totally check out the MMA for the MMA Factor Fiction on Four One One Mania because it's going to be exciting. I have no clue who's in the finals because I have done forgotten. <laughs> I'm sure Mark can. I'm sure Mark can tell me. I say it's uh, Sunny. Oh, Rella. Rella beat Zonka and then Sam Mercati, who was the number one seed. Uh, oh, I'm getting a rematch. I am getting a rematch with Sam. It's Cotty versus Rella, I believe. Ooh, that should be interesting. Because, yeah, I, uh, cause I get basically, like, after uh, Samer, like, almost beat, kind of sort of beat my ass, I was like, hey, man, it was really nice uh, face me. He's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to uh, I'd love to have a rematch. And we're like, quiet, what do you think? He's like, hell, yeah, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, um, a week from this Tuesday, we will, speaking of Samer Cotty, we will conclude the Batman podcast looking at the Joel Schumacher years, otherwise known as the Yuck years. <laughs> Folks, um, I made a couple of cracks about wrestling during this podcast because it is, of course, WrestleMania season. WrestleMania was this past Sunday night. And I did a pair of podcasts with uh, my good friends over at thecasualheroes.com. Casualheroes.com. Check out their podcast. I did a pre-WrestleMania and a post-WrestleMania um, they apparently like having me on their podcast. Uh, they like to hear me rant. So, uh, I did for them and that was, that, that was a lot of fun. I don't get to talk about a lot of wrestling, um, on, because, you know, that's kind of Larry's domain for 411. So it was nice to be able to walk over to somebody else's website and, uh, have my opinion about wrestling valued. Uh, if you want to check out the, the 411 Ground and Pound radio show, that's every Sunday night at nine o'clock. Uh, this Sunday night, we will be reviewing the Ultimate Fighter finale, and we will be previewing uh, the UFC on Fox 7 with Dan Cormier and Frank Mir, and of course, Ben Henderson unifying the lightweight title with uh, the final Strike Force lightweight champion, Gilbert Melendez. Uh, check out the 411 Fighter of the Month, and I believe that's it for now. Also, uh, we are the right hook is back on fromtherightradio.com. So again, if you like hearing me talk about music and you're wondering what my thoughts on North Korea are, you should go over to From the Right Radio Thursday nights at nine o'clock and check out the right hook. All right. So for the Metal Hammer of Doom, Robert Cooper, I am the Mandator Reporter, Mr. Mark Rattledge, and frankly, I'm mortified. And this has been the 401 Mania Music Zone Album Review Podcast. 
Thank you. Be well. Be safe. And behave.